If you want to turn your Bibles, though, to Matthew 2, Matthew 2. If you're using the green Bible, you grabbed on the way in. It's page 804. Otherwise, first book of the New Testament, Matthew. All right. And uh, we're going to look at Matthew 2, Herod, King Herod, the not so great. We alluded to him last week, King Herod, the not so great. We have our Christmas connection to last week's sermon. If you've been here or been following along live stream, you know that we've been going through the book of Acts. And last week we were in Acts chapter 12, where we saw King Herod Agrippa the first. Remember, he persecuted the Christians, he blasphemed God, and then he was eaten alive by worms, all right? If you want to hear a gross story, well, listen last week, all right? His uncle was the Tetrarch. We talked about how there's a lineage. His uncle was the Tetrarch, King Herod Antipas, or Antipasta. That's a good way to remember it, all right? Uh, King Herod Antipasta, he was the one who beheaded John the Baptist, and he was a key player in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, that was him. But backing up the ladder even higher, we're going to go all the way to the top. His grandfather was King Herod, the not-so-great. He called himself the great. We call him the not-so-great. He was the granddaddy of them all. This is the wicked King Herod from the Christmas story, as we're going to see here in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for the kids, uh, the blessing of the kids. We thank you for each person who's here or listening live, Lord, or even next week listening. Lord, we just thank you for each person. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, would speak to us. We would take a, a step of faith in our faith journey, or maybe somebody would even come to faith today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so wild, wild story here. Oh, let's read the passage, first of all. Matthew 2. And uh, I'm going to switch my glasses. All right, so my eyes change weekly, <laughs> so I've got a different set of reading glasses. All right, so, ah, uh, yeah, that's better. Okay, a after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and they, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said to the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. 
when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. Wow. We're going to focus on Herod today. Herod did terrible things in his life. Killing these babies was just the frosting on the cake. That was the God's final straw. As we've talked about many times, right? The killing of babies is, is God's final straw for a country. Uh, and so this was the frosting on the cake. He was brutal. He was paranoid. He was filled with demonoids. This guy was clearly demonized. There's no doubt about it. Caesar Augustus said this about Herod. He said, I would rather be Herod's pig than his son. Caesar Augustus. I would rather be Herod's pig than his son. Herod was, uh, Herod was an Edomite, a descendant of Esau, right? But he followed some Jewish laws, and one of the Jewish laws he chose to follow. He didn't follow many, but one that he followed was he didn't eat any pork, which is why uh, uh, Caesar Augustus said that. I'd rather be Herod's pig than his son, because the pigs were safe. He didn't eat pork, right? But he had no qualms about butchering his family, no qualms. He married a Jewish Hasmonean princess named Miriam. He loved her. She was beautiful, the most beautiful woman in Israel. He loved her, but he never trusted her. He was jealous of her, and he never trusted her because he, he had killed her brother and her uncle. And, uh, and he finally became so paranoid about Miriam, who he loved unbelievably, he had her executed. But immediately he regretted it. He regretted it. He was so upset. So he put her in, uh, in honey. He preserved her body in honey. And so she wouldn't decompose. And now you know why you call someone you love uh, honey, your sweetheart honey. That came from Herod. All right. All right. I made that part up. All right. There's more, but I'm not going to tell you. This guy was depraved. I'm not going to tell you anymore. You can look it up yourself. Uh, that's as far as I'm going with that story. Uh, but her sons were upset, understandably. Herod's sons and Miriam's sons were upset because he killed their mother, and they could only see her in the vat of honey now. And they were belligerent, and he started suspecting they were going to try to kill him. And so he had them strangled. He had his two own sons strangled. He also had appointed his wife's brother as the high priest to try to get on her good side. Uh, but after he killed her, he knew he couldn't, didn't think he could trust him anymore, so he drowned him in the palace swimming pool. All right. Hey, come on over for a swim. That's it. All right. He killed, then he killed his mother-in-law, and then he kept going, and he killed 46 members of the Sanhedrin. King Herod the Great was not so great. He was wicked. But if you look at his history, if you study his history, and this is what a lot of us don't know, you can actually understand but not excuse his behavior. We can understand it but not excuse it. This is not an excuse. Uh, understand what he did, not excuse it. He, when he was the governor of Galilee, which was when he first started out, when there was the, he was the governor of Galilee, 
under the Romans, and the Hasmonean Jews revolted. That was the Jewish dynasty. They revolted, but he stayed loyal to Rome. He didn't go along with it. But he had to flee Jerusalem. At first it was going okay, but then he had to flee Jerusalem because the Parthians, which is modern-day Close, uh, yeah, Persia, Iran, all right, Persia, yes, Persia, Iran, uh, that was, that's what we call Iran now, but it's Persia, the Parthians, uh, he, he, they joined the Jews, and because of that, they had the upper hand, but, so he had to, he had to, uh, you know, he had to flee Jerusalem, he had to flee, Herod fled with his family, his friends, his loyal soldiers, it was just, it was a trail of tears. It was really, really sad to read these poor mothers with their babies. They're crying. Just horrible, horrible. And then it finally hit, uh, you know, hit the climax when his mom, his very own mom, was in a wagon and it overturned because they were rushing, trying to get away. They're being attacked. They're fighting off the, 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 uh, the Parthians and the Jews. And his mom's wagon overturned and she was horribly injured. He thought for sure she would die. She didn't. She actually survived. But he was so sure she was going to die. He was in such depression over what's going on that he actually t- pulled out his sword and he tried to kill himself right there on the spot. And his own men grabbed his arm and wrestled the sword away and wouldn't let him. He said, if you kill yourself, we're all going to be butchered. Think of us. At least let's go down fighting. So they talked him out of it. He, he got his mom uh, you know, stabilized. They kept going and they, they finally made it to Masada. Herod actually built Masada. Anybody been at Masada? Yep, some of you Masada. Massive up on the cliff fortress. Uh, the last place that the Roman Empire couldn't take later on when the Jews did revolt after Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, amazing place. But he escaped to there. And, and, they, and he, he got to there. And then after that, he finally keeps uh, all the time. He's being attacked by the the. Uh, the Parthians and the Jews, and he keeps winning the battles, even though he's outnumbered and even though they're desperate, they keep winning battle after battle. It was just crazy. And finally, they escape from there. They get to Egypt, and from Egypt, they get to Rome, to Rome. And Rome was so happy with what he, his loyalty that they, uh, for his loyalty, that they name him the King of the Jews. They, they give him an official title. You are now the king of the Jews. Now go take it. So he, they sent him back, and he had to get his army together, and he had to fight off the Parthians. He had to fight off the Hasmonean dynasty, the Jewish dynasty, after three years of bitter fighting. And it was bitter. You know, no prisoners taken, right? Uh, after He finally wins. He wins. Think of what he's been through, right? But the Jews, now you understand what he's been through, but we don't excuse it, but we understand some of his paranoia, right? He, he had survived all these different attacks and assassinations and coups. So the Jews don't trust him, so he marries Miriam, the, the Jewish princess, to say, hey, I'm one of you guys now. He's a political animal. I'm one of you guys. He pretends to become a Jew, the same Miriam that he then murdered, right? Uh, he beten- pretends to become a Jew. He renovates the temple, right? He renovates the temple, and he makes it magnificent. This guy is not a Jew, you know, Jewish follower of Jehovah, but he's trying to impress the Jews. He's trying to win them over because he's the king of the Jews, and uh, he, he, he just renovates the temple, and it was incredibly impressive. It was even more impressive than what Solomon had done. He just made it beautiful, and it became, it was magnificent, and it became known as Herod's Temple. 
Herod's temple. That's because he had renovated it so much. And then he proudly promotes a new moniker. Not only was he the king of the Jews, but he was Herod the Great, king of the Jews. That's what he started calling himself. And everybody started calling him that. They actually found a pot in Israel, which says, you know, broken pot. And it says right on it, Herod the Great, king of the Jews. It was everywhere. He promoted himself, right? Uh, which brings us to the Christmas story, which we just read, Matthew chapter 2. And why he freaked out. Because after all of that, after all of that, and, and most of what I just was sharing with you came right from the uh, historian Josephus, uh, came right from Josephus, but it brings us to the Christmas story and why he freaked out. When the ma- Why did he freak out? Because the Magi sh- show up looking for the king of the Jews. And what is Herod thinking? <laughs> All right, what am I? Chopped liver, right? Yeah, you know, chopped pork. But anyway, you know, chopped. Uh, you know, what am I, right? And that's you know, he's like, you know, he's freaked out. That's who I am, and that's why he tried to murder baby Jesus. And he butchered all those babies in that, in that whole area, which led to his judgment. It mo- the, the Bible says after he died, Jesus came back. But it, it was very quick. We don't, the Bible doesn't give us the, the, how close it was. Josephus actually records how close to the, the killing of, of the babies and Jesus escapes, how close it was right immediately, almost immediately. Jesus must have been in Egypt a very short time, come right back again, because I'm just going to read to you, and I read some of this last time. I'm going to go in a little more detail. Eusebius, uh, 260 to 340 AD, Bishop of Caesarea. He's called the author of Christian history. And listen, this is a short time after this all happened. He said, when Christ was born, according to the prophecies, in Bethlehem of Judea, at the time indicated, Herod was not a little disturbed by the inquiry of the Magi who came from the east, asking where is he was to be born king of the Jews, where was he to be found. He commanded a single edict that all male infants in Bethlehem and its borders that were two years of age or less, according to the time which had been accurately ascertained from the Magi to be slain, he commanded them to be sl- slain, supposing that Jesus as was indeed likely, would share the same fate as the others of his own age. Then he shifts over to, uh, well, it is worthwhile in addition to this to observe the reward which Herod received for his daring crime against Christ. This is Eusebius, historian. For immediately, without the least delay, the divine vengeance overtook him while he was still alive and gave him a foretaste of what he was to receive after death. Hmm. It's not possible to relate here how tarnished the his reign was by successive calamities in his family by the murder of his wife and children and others of his nearest relatives and dearest friends <laughs> the account which casts every other tragic drama to, into the shade is detailed in length in the history of josephus how immediately after his crime against the savior now we're borrowing from josephus too and the other infants, the punishment sent by God drove him on to his death. We can best learn from the words of the historian Josephus, uh, who recorded the following. But the disease of Herod grew more severe. Immediately after this, the disease of Herod grew more severe, God inflicting punishment for his crimes. For a slow fire burned in him, which was not so apparent to those who touched him, but augmented his internal distress so he's on fire inside. He had this terrible desire for food, which it was not possible to resist. 
He was affected also with ulceration of the intestines and especially with severe pains in the colon and water was gushing out. No, I'm not going to read it all, but uh, it was terrible. Uh, from a similar trouble in his abdomen, nay, more his... Well, anyway, worms were coming out of lots of places. He found excessive difficulty in breathing, and it was particularly disagreeable because of the offensiveness of the odor and the rapidity of the respiration. He stunk and had bad breath. All right, so anyway. Uh, but uh, but he couldn't get his cure, and when he realized he was going to die, he tried to kill himself once again with a knife. He got this problem, right? Going to kill himself. And uh, they were able to stop him from killing himself. Uh, but then they should have let him because after that, he summoned his sister and her brother. He said, I know, uh, I'm sorry, her sister, his sister and her husband, Alexander, I know that the Jews will rejoice at my death. Do you think? All right. Uh, but I may be, but that I may be lamented by others and have a splendid funeral. If you are willing to perform my commands, this is what I want you to do. When I shall expire, surround these men who are now under guard. So he took key men from all over Israel. He brought them into the Hippodrome, and he had them imprisoned there. He says, when I die, I want the soldiers to kill them, because then all, they'll be weeping all over Israel at my death. All right? <laughs> like I said, demonoids, right? Demonoids. Uh, even against their will, they're going to weep for me, he said. And again, he here was so tortured by want of food, uh, Oh, then he then he also slew another of his sons. He knew he was going to die any moment, so he had a third son killed. All right, uh, and then immediately after that, he breathed his last. They didn't carry out the murder of all the key men, so nobody cried for him. Uh, but Eusebius says such was the end of Herod, who suffered a just punishment for his slaughter of the children of Bethlehem, which is the result of his plots against our Savior. Wow. Wow, now you know the rest of the story, the rest of the Christmas story, the connection. Uh, Joseph is very dependable historian. We know the rest of the story. And, and I'm, you, you hear this and you're just like, once again, you can understand, but you can't excuse. But it's, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? But this is what hits me. It's sad. It's a sad, sad story. As wicked as he was, it's still sad that Herod didn't go with the Magi to find the true king of the Jews. Right? He could have gone with them. It's sad because Jesus, baby Jesus, who grew up to be Jesus Christ, he, he could have changed Herod's life and eternity if he had just followed the Magi to Jesus. As wicked as he had become, as demonized as he was, he could have been set free. He could have been forgiven if, if he had come to Jesus. That's why Jesus was born. It didn't matter that he was a murderer, right? Didn't matter all the horrible things he did. Listen to what the murderer Saul said, who uh, will be hitting here. We've been in... Uh, Acts, okay, listen to what the murderer Saul said, who became the apostle Paul. In 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16, he said, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that re very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example 
for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. That's a murderer who came to Christ. And, and Herod could have had that same freedom, that same forgiveness, that same mercy, that same grace. Anyone can be forgiven. Anyone. Anyone can be transformed. That's the whole point of Christmas. Jesus was born to die for our sins and save us if we will put our faith in him. No matter who we are and what we've done. John 3.16, talking about this very thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Anyone can be forgiven for anything if we repent and put our faith in Jesus Christ. If we give our life to Jesus Christ. And not only forgiven, but changed. Any life can be transformed. Don't we know it? Wait till the testimony service. that We hear it every time. We can all be transformed. Once again, that's the whole point of Christmas. And, and then Jesus being born, and then his death and resurrection. Jesus Christ's death. <coughs> Jesus Christ's death broke sin's power over our lives. And then his resurrection gave us the power to live a new life. That's what we have because of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus Christ came. To give us the power to change. To let us really live. Really live. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. How many times have we uh, you know, you know, read this one and, and focused on this one? Do you not know that... Oh, I'm going to read it from my version. Hold on. Uh, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God... Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. It's what we all were. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We were washed, sanctified, justified, just as if we never sinned. In the name of the Lord Jesus. We have the power not only to be forgiven, but we have the power to change, to be transformed. And that's what Christmas is all about. Look at the Christmas specials, right? Who do we see change in the Christmas specials? Scrooge, one of, the, oh, one of my favorites, right? Scrooge, the abominable snow monster, you know, the, the Grinch, the Gr good news for Grinches. Jesus came. Good news for Grinches. We, all of us are Grinches, right? But, but 
we can all be forgiven and changed. Have you come to Jesus to be forgiven? First John 1 John 1.12 says, Yet to all who... who uh, oh, I got the wrong version there again. I'm going to read mine. All right. Yet to all received him, to all who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed on his name, have we... Have you received Jesus Christ? Have you believed in Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in him, repented from sin, put your faith in him, given your life to him? Have you done that? That, that is, we, we all can receive Jesus. It's a gift. He's given us a gift. It's not something that we can earn. It's the only way is by receiving, by believing. That is the only way to receive life. Only way to receive eternal life. Only way to be transformed. Only way to be forgiven. It, it's the only way we cannot earn it. Our work's important? Sure, it shows that our faith is real. But it has nothing to do with salvation. Nothing, not one little thing. We can only receive that gift. If you, if you, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For it is by grace you are saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's a gift. You can only receive it by faith. That's the only way. If, if, you, are, if you receive a gift and you say, well, I'm going to work for it now, is it a gift anymore? If you get a gift and you give even one penny, say, here's one penny, is it a gift anymore? No, there's nothing. It's no longer a gift. There, there's, there's nothing we can do. We can only receive by believing. That is the only way. The only way to be saved. It's the only way to be forgiven. It's the only way to be transformed is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Think of Christmas. Oh, I've got some teenagers out there. Th- uh, kids, think of Christmas morning. You wake, you wake up, you go down. You're kind of bored with the old Christmas thing now. But things change this Christmas because mom and dad hand you a, a car keys. And you look outside, and, and there's a, a brand new, help me out, help me out. What do you want now? <laughs> Tesla. That's what I was thinking, Tesla. <coughs> but not self-driving, because you like to drive, right, guys? But anyway, yeah, so, so you, you, you get the keys. What do you say to mom and dad? Oh, mom, dad, I love it, but I'll never be able to pay this off. I get, I'll give you a dollar a day for the rest of my life, right? Would, would, would you say that? No, boom, you're gone. They won't see you the rest of the day, you know. See you New Year's, right? Uh, that you, you're gone. You're not going to give them anything. It was a gift. And that's what the only thing that we can do with Jesus Christ is receive by believing. It's a gift. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ, given your life to him? Have you done that? And as Christians, after we receive this gift, there's something we can do. We are called to give our lives back as a gift to God, right? We're called to give back. We're, 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 are we doing that? Are we letting him transform us? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, creature, creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Are you letting him recreate you, make you a brand new creation, transformed? And, and, and are we letting him fulfill his purpose for our life, to be in that close relationship, to experience the peace and the joy? Are we letting God work in our life? As we saw earlier, uh, transformed by the, by, through Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God, are we letting that happen? If, what specific steps will we take? 
It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I'll do that. But what specific steps? What do we need to surrender? <coughs> what, do, what do we need to give so, so that God can sanctify us? What do we need to cut out of our life? Who do we need to cut out of our life? What steps are, will we take specific steps? Maybe it's a, 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 a good book like, you know, A Victory Over the Darkness or Search for Significance or being mentored or discipled by someone or, or getting accountability, joining an accountability group. What steps will we take? I want to encourage you to, to, to as a reminder, when you get home to wrap a present that's any size box but find a box and wrap that wrap that present for jesus christ and 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 put a date on it so you remember this and write something maybe on a piece of paper this is a the present i'm giving to you jesus this is going to be a different christmas for me a different year for me uh put it on or or maybe even something specifically that you need to put in there maybe it's your cell phone that's causing you all kinds of trouble stick it in there you know i'm going back to a flip phone or i'm going to live like i used like we used to live in primitive times, right? Uh, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever you need to put in that, whatever you need to put in that, that, that present, do it. And, and, and then keep, keep, put it somewhere that you will keep seeing it and you'll see it and, and keep looking at that and, and keep reminding you of what you've, you've given to God and to Jesus as a present and until you're free, until there's been a transformation, we don't, let's not just keep taking, carrying the, the, the chains year after year, but, but take specific steps and make that commitment and surrender it to him and let him change us. Let's pray. As we go this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? He wants to transform us by the Spirit of our God. How is, how is he speaking to us? What do we need to surrender so that we can be sanctified, set apart? What are we going to put in that box? What are we going to lock in on so that we can become the new creation we were saved to become? What gift will we give Jesus? And maybe the gift, <coughs> maybe the gift to give him is your life. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe before you can give him that gift of life, you need to receive his gift. The gift that God gave us for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can do that right now. There's no religious ritual or religious rite. It's a prayer to God through Jesus. The prayer that Jesus, I want to receive you. I want to receive that gift. I believe in Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I repent of the garbage, the sin, the shame. I don't want that anymore. I want Jesus. I want the new life. I don't want to turn out like King Herod. I want to turn out like the Apostle Paul. 
experiencing your mercy and grace. I repent. I ask you to forgive me and I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe in him. I give my life to him. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, then you've been washed, sanctified, justified. You've believed and received, and you're now a child of God, and your life will never be the same. You received the greatest gift you could ever imagine for this life and the next one. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody today. Maybe you have a family member or friend here. Tell them. Maybe you don't have anybody to tell. Tell me on the way out. I'd love to hear from you. Tell somebody today so that we can be excited for you and encourage you in your new life in Christ. Father, I pray for every one of us that this Christmas we would give you lordship of our life we would surrender it all so that we could have complete intimacy with you i pray that in jesus name